Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mindset to Mastery. I am your host, Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group, where we facilitate outcomes. And I wanted to talk today about this issue of diversity. And I know that it's a hot button topic and everyone's talking about DNI efforts, diversity and inclusion, and how do we make people um, more inclusive and how do we um, make sure that we're, we're representing all of these different groups. But I really want us to stop and think a minute about, are we really being diverse in the way that we think about diversity? And it, there's more to diversity than just checking a box. There's more than just gender. There's more than just race. There's more than just, you know, where you went to school and, um, and where you grew up and your culture. There's more than disability, there's more than sexual orientation, but I really wanna talk about being diverse and the way that we think about diversity when we go beneath the surface. So things like diversity of thought, diversity of experience, diversity of learning style, diversity of communication style, diversity in personality. All of these things when you're talking about working within teams, working within groups, within organizations, trying to achieve goals, within organizations and companies, you have to start thinking about how willing are we to push the envelope about seeing how people are different and how people can contribute to our work in different ways. So I know there are some detractors that are like, well, people are all too segmented already. There's too many ways that we all wanna subcategorize and differentiate ourselves. We need to start looking at ways to include everybody instead of looking at ways to separate or to segment people. And I get that, I understand it completely. But I want you to think of it this way. From the standpoint of someone who, as I've told you, my background is in education and I was at one point a first grade teacher, I loved first grade teaching. I love those kids at that age. And as a result, when I meet people, part of my secret, you know, superpowers is that I tend to see people as their seven-year-old selves. What does this mean? No, I don't picture you in a sandbox, you know, with blocks and Legos and all of that. But because I've had so much time observing kids at that age when they are just beginning to formulate their personalities and they're just beginning to formulate the ways that they that they think and they learn and they communicate, I have started to be able to recognize in adults the same traits that people exhibited, that young people exhibited at the age of six or seven, I've started to recognize in adults, regardless of their age. So let's think about diversity from the standpoint of a class of seven-year-olds. So if I've got 25 to 30 six or seven year olds in my class, in my first grade class, I've got boys and girls, I've got kids who are you know, really fast learners and people who are more advanced, I've got kids who may be um, um, not slower, but may have had limited exposure, who need more time to process things. I have people at different uh, developmental levels, I've got people who have different family lives at home, I've got kids who have different interests, I've got kids who are very outspoken and who are extroverted, and I've got, pe I've got kids who are very introverted and who like to sit back and think and take things in. I've got all of these different aspects of all these different individuals that I then have to consider when I'm planning a lesson or planning an activity. Now, fast forward to the world of work when these kids are older. As they get older, 
we tend not to actually focus on what are the things that we need to consider from an individual standpoint. Instead, we start focusing on how do we make this group as homogeneous as possible to make it as easy as possible to get information out to everybody at once. And therein is where we lose a lot of the opportunity that we have. And what happens then is we end up at the end, on the back end coming into organizations and companies where people are working as adults and now we're trying to bring back diversity. Now we're trying to start thinking of them as individuals. Now we're trying to enhance who they are as that seven-year-old self. So what I want you to do is I want you to think about it from this perspective. If you're in a classroom with six or seven-year-olds and you've got all these little kids running around and, and, and exploring and, and talking and learning about the world and learning about themselves, one of the key components that's a, that's a foundation for that is to have a foundation of trust, a foundation of safety, a foundation that no matter what you do and who you are, you will be accepted, that you can show up as your whole seven-year-old self and we will do our best to accommodate you. We will do our best to include you. We will do our best to make sure that we equip you to be able to perform at the highest level and at your best ability so that you can grow and you can develop and you can learn and you can become better. Why don't we do that with adults? This whole way that we're thinking about diversity and inclusion really is segmented. It's really narrow-minded. It's really narrow in its scape, in its scope, and its focus because we're not taking into considerations the things that make people individual. Instead, we're looking at ways of categorizing and ways of grouping people. Now, I'm not saying that this is a, um, a, a blanket statement where every single organization is doing the same thing. But I'm saying by and large, when you have conversations with people about diversity and inclusion, they're talking more about making sure that there are representatives of different groups that are included in the conversation and that are included in the process and that are let into the room. Whereas as a former educator, I look at it from a standpoint of regardless of who's in the room in terms of the people, the individual people or whatever groups or boxes are checked, how are we setting it up so that we can enhance, encourage, and actually draw out all of the diverse, diverse perspectives and backgrounds and abilities and, and nuances within everybody that's on your team? So what this looks like is picture, for example, going back to that first grade classroom. You have all of these kids, and depending on your era, when you grew up, if you grew up during the, the uh, you know, old school method where everybody was in, in roles and you sat alphabetically and the teacher was at the top, at the front of the classroom, and she, you know, gave out the worksheets, or if you were in a more progressive, um, holistic type of learning environment or Montessori environment where you were able to explore and, um, and, and, and create your own learning and your own opportunities to grow, however that is, when you have a situation where the kids are in rows and everything is dictated and everybody gets the same exact thing, now you're not being diverse in your approach. You're not considering learning style. You're not considering how they communicate. You're not considering personality. 
You're just saying that what we need to do as far as this information is most important. So therefore, we're going to give you this information and you need to do with it what you will in order to achieve. But if you look at the other spec, the other side of the spectrum where people are encouraged to explore, where their learning styles are taken into consideration and therefore things are presented to them in a lot of different ways, or if they are encouraged to create their own projects or explore their own projects or their own interests, or they have a, a myriad of different ways for them to be able to share knowledge and to be able to participate in projects. Those are opportunities where diversity is at its height, at, at, at its peak, because the core premise of diversity, the way that I see it, is that we are encouraging people to tap into all of the different nuances of who they are. So when you think about it, thinking about diversity of thought, yes, everybody comes from a different background, even if you were raised in the same type of neighborhood, because the perspective that we have and the way that we think about things is what's going to drive the way that we act about things. So not everybody thinks the same way. Case in point, I am an African-American woman. I do not speak for, nor do I think like all African-Americans, period, or all women, or all African-American women, because I have a different perspective. I have a different way of thinking. I have a different background. I have a different way of processing. So therefore, you can't assume just because you check off the boxes and you have, I have um, African-American, I have Asian, I have Latino, I have white, I have Indian, I have Hispanic, whatever it is, you can't assume that just because you checked off the box that now that person is now representative of the larger whole as far as the way that they think. You also need to make sure that you are allowing an opportunity for people in your organization and people within your groups to feel safe, to be vulnerable. And I'm not talking vulnerability in terms of you know sharing all of their emotional baggage and, and sharing all of their personal issues and all of that. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about there needing to be a, an aspect of risk-taking. There needs to be an aspect of it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to not be right. It's okay for you to want to explore this. It's okay to fail. It's okay to learn. So going back to first grade, imagine what it would be like if you were in a first grade classroom and kids are being taught to read or to read more advanced books and every time they made a mistake, they got yelled at or they got paddled or they were berated to the point of saying, you know what, that's not right, so we're not gonna call on you. They start to lose their voice. They stop speaking up. They stop being willing to explore and to think outside the box because the box is what's right. Now fast forward again to the way that our organizations are operating. Most of them are still in that old mindset of fitting into the box. And there's been research done that says that groups and organizations and teams within businesses are less likely to identify what they believe the problem is or they believe that the direction needs to go in, or they be, what they believe needs to be focused on, 
because they don't want to be perceived as being wrong. So they'll wait for the manager or the CEO or, or whoever the, the leader is to come in and say, this is what the problem is. This is what we're going to solve for. This is what the, what, the, what the issues are. So this is what I want you to focus on. This is the particular project that you're working on. They're not bringing anything to the table because they're waiting for somebody else to tell them what's okay. So when you start thinking about diversity and inclusion, you need to start thinking about the different ways that people think. You need to start thinking about the different ways that they experience things, and you need to set up an environment that allows for vulnerability, that allows for people to make mistakes, because that's how we learn, that's how we get better. Now, I know some of you are saying, I didn't hire them to make mistakes. I didn't bring them on my team to mess up. I brought them on my team to do their job and to make sure that they are doing things in the right way so that we can be productive and we can be profitable and we can be successful. Yeah, I get that. When people operate in a certain sphere of, 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 ex, of excellence and they have a certain sphere where they are the experts, of course you want them to perform at their highest capabilities. But you also have to recognize that when someone comes into your organization and they are operating at a certain level, it is not a good thing if by the time they leave your organization or the longer they've been in your organization, they're still operating at the same level. They need to feel safe enough to explore. They need to feel safe enough to talk about issues, to bring up issues, to be able to say, hey, this is something that we may not have considered before. They need to have a voice. So our diversity efforts needs to look beyond people who look like us, who think like us, who follow the same line of, of, of experiences, who come to the table with the same exact mindset. We need to start looking at and accepting people who are diverse in their thinking, diverse in their way of solving problems, and diverse in the way that they communicate, diverse in the way that they process information. Because unless we're able to create these learning environments within organizations where people are, are encouraged to explore and encouraged to interact and encouraged to communicate across a variety of different mediums uh, for a variety of different purposes, then what we do is we end up creating more of the status quo. So I know I mentioned my background in education and I talk about, you know, the first grade classroom and all that. And, and I think that one of the things that I think we miss majorly when it comes to being diverse about diversity is we miss the component of being diverse in learning style. And you'll hear me talk about this a lot because I believe that as adults, we stop placing a priority on understanding the way that we learn and the way that we process information because we assume that people are going to adjust. And what we have to realize is having different ways of processing what is being presented and of processing information and of learning new things is a direct factor in how well you are going to perform. So most of the time when you go into a quote unquote workshop or a training or, or, or someone's presenting new information, what do they do? As an adult, you sit in the room, 
Somebody puts a PowerPoint up, they stand there and they talk at you the whole time. Now, most adults can adjust to that because that is the preferred medium where all of this information is usually given to you. So you're listening to someone talk or you're watching someone speak and you're looking at the PowerPoint or they give you a handout. But what about the people like me who are kinesthetic? I need to write, I need to do something, I need to move because that is the way that I learn. If I'm not touching it, if I'm not manipulating it, if I'm not doing something with it, then I am less likely to retain it and to understand it. Now, if we're not looking at the way that people learn, and if we're not setting up our organizations and our teams in such a way where we're addressing the diversity of learning style, then we're gonna have the same PowerPoints and the same you know, worksheets and the same person talking at people and then when people don't, who are in the team or in the group don't understand it all or don't retain it all, then we look at them as if they're the problem. But that's not the case. In order for you to have a truly diverse team, you have people who are visual in terms of they need to read things, they need to see things in order for it to make sense for them to retain it and to be able to apply it. You have people who are kinesthetic. They're the ones that have to manipulate it. They have to look at it from all sides. They have to do something with it. They have to apply it in some way. They have to be active. You have people who are more um, auditory in the way that they actually process things. They have to hear it in order for it to make sense to them. Those are the ones that can't stand background noise because they have to focus in on whatever it is that they're doing that's being presented. They pay attention to voice inflection. They pay attention to cadence. They pay attention to speed, all of that. You have other people who are, who are looking at things from a more global perspective. You have people who need to look at things from a more concrete sequential perspective in terms of, you know, one, two, three, A, B, C, D. All of these different things go, come into play when you're working with teams and you're trying to figure out the best way to make sure that your teams are more efficient, more effective, and can be successful. So instead of just checking the boxes of the outliers or the, out, the outlying and, and readily apparent characteristics, instead, why don't we start delving a little deeper and looking at just how effective are we being when we're talking about diversity? How effective are we being when we're putting together teams to make sure that we know the individual people that are on the teams so that we can enhance all of their strengths? How effective are we being in being truly diverse? Not just on the outside, but on the inside. I, for one, and I may be biased, but I think that a model from a classroom perspective where you have people who are encouraged to learn and grow and explore and communicate and bring their backgrounds and their experiences and their nuances and their perspectives to the table is a far more dynamic environment than bringing in people that you've checked off the boxes to make sure they're representative, represented, quote unquote, but you expect everyone to toe the line and to act in the same exact way. You expect them to learn the same way. You expect them to communicate the same way. You expect them to, to operate in the same way. Nobody processes information the same. There's a filter that we go through internally. 
And one of the things that we have to understand is that if we want to be truly diverse, if we want to truly enhance and be able to, to encourage a, a, an environment where people are going to be able to operate at their best, we have to start looking at this diversity thing in a lot more of a diverse light because it's not just about what you see on the outside. It's about who the person is on the inside. It's about how they process. It's about how they express themselves. It's about where they've come from. All of these things create the person in front of you. And if one of the major goals of a diversity and inclusion initiative is to enable and equip people to feel comfortable and vulnerable and safe enough to show up as their whole selves to work, then we need to make sure that we're cultivating and creating a supportive learning environment that will enable them to, one, discover who they are in all of these different aspects, and that's where your development plans come in and your training and so forth. But also, we need to create opportunities for them to show off all of these different components of who they are. You know, let them present in a different way. Let them, let them discuss things. Let them problem solve in different ways. Let them work in groups and teams in different ways. Enable them to have autonomy and flexibility so that they can then express themselves and grow in a way that is going to be permanent instead of short-lived. And it's going to lend itself to the overall success of the team and the organization and the individual person. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. But if we're not going to look at diversity through a lens of the individual person is diverse beyond the boxes that are checked and beyond what they're representing, then we're missing the mark because we're not able to create these environments that are going to enable people to become their best selves, to showcase all of who they are. Because as an organization, if your team members are not able to show up in their full glory, so to speak, and are not able to tap into all of all aspects of who they are, then you're missing the boat. And what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for failure because you're not tapping into the greatest resource that you have, which is the people that you have working on your teams. So let's not sell DNI short. Let's not look at it from a standpoint of, well, we've got the requisite boxes checked. Instead, let's look at it from the standpoint of how can we enhance our organization and our team by bringing the full spectrum and enhancing the full spectrum of who people are and allowing them to be able to bring that to the table. So just imagine if you're someone like me who's more kinesthetic and you have to move and you speak with your hands and, and you have to, 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 to get in and, and explore things from different angles and different groups and you know, different ways of thinking, imagine if you were able to do that and spend your time being creative and looking at problems from different ways and talking to different people about perspectives and, be, and delving into it. Imagine a place for your team to work where instead of focusing solely on the task, you start exploring 
the process. You start understanding a new way of thinking. You have conversations and many debates based on different perspectives and ways of thinking and ways of, of addressing certain issues and problems. You have an opportunity for people to feel safe. You have an opportunity for people to feel heard. You have an opportunity for people to feel as if they are contributing fully to the organization and to the team and to the success of the team and the organization. So when we confine diversity and we restrict it and limit it to only being about a box that's being checked off, we're missing a major, major opportunity. And I'm not saying this because I want people to say, oh, well, that means we don't need to have representation. We don't need to check the boxes because if I have a homogeneous group, as long as there's different learning styles and perspectives and backgrounds, then I've covered the diversity thing. That's not what I'm saying. And you know it. So stop it. <laughs> what I am saying is that there is more to diversity than just what meets the eye on the surface. There's more to each individual person on your team than what meets the eye on the surface. And it is up to you as one, a member of the team or to a leader of the team to ensure that everybody that's working with you and for you is showing up wholly, is being authentic, is being true, is being challenged. So looking at it from the standpoint of if you had 20 to 20 to 30 seven-year-olds in front of you and you were charged with making sure not only that they were going to meet certain benchmarks you know understanding certain sight words being able to multiply you know being able to add and subtract and being able to to you know check off certain things on the list of what they're expected to do those are your outcomes but imagine if you looked at your teams and said you know what I'm not only responsible for making sure that you check off the outcomes, I'm also responsible for making sure that you are growing in the process. I'm also making sure that you are going to become a better version of yourself in the process. And I'm also responsible for making sure that you have an impact on the other people in this team and in this organization so that they can become better as a result of interacting and working with you. Now imagine how the entire conversation would change. Imagine how our, the way that we work would change. Imagine how people would actually want to come to work and to show up fully and authentically because we looked beyond the exterior of this is what you look like so therefore I've checked off the box to this is who you are and therefore this is how I want to assist you to grow and to develop and to contribute so that you can feel and be successful. So our thinking about diversity needs to be more diverse. We need to look beyond what's on the surface and start looking at this as a complex issue that requires more thought, more innovation, and more dedication. Because it's not just about what you see on the outside and it's not just about the boxes that you check and the outcomes that you achieve. It's about creating a work environment that is going to enhance 
the people that are contributing while they are helping to achieve those outcomes and check off those boxes. Your role does not end simply by saying we've increased our market share by 25%. Your role also includes ensuring that the people that are working together on that team are learning together, they're growing together, they're communicating effectively in different ways, and they are becoming better versions of themselves in the process. We never stop growing. We never stop learning. It's just a matter of how supported we are in the process. So if you want better organizations, if you want better opportunities for people to be able to be themselves and to bring more to the table for your organization, then you need to start looking at the way that you approach your teams and say, am I being truly diverse in the way that I see them and the way that I, I encourage them and in the way that I support them? Until next time, I am Keisha A. Rivers, President and Chief Outcome Facilitator of the CARS Group. I hope that this has been helpful for you. Please visit my website at carsgroup.com. That's K-A-R-S group.com. You can see more episodes of my Mindset to Mastery podcast. And you can also leave me a message and let me know how this episode has impacted you, if you agree or disagree, and if you have any ideas about other topics that you would like to hear me speak on. I encourage you to always look at things from the standpoint of how can you make yourself better and how can you make the other people on your teams better. Because unless the focus is on growth, then you're really not going to be successful. So with that, I encourage you to change your mindset and create your own success. Until next time.